Asking God the Hard Questions Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the Sermon of Sunday, November 21st, 2021 from Christchurch, Jerusalem. Who is God? Do we really know Him? Can we really trust Him? On the Feast of Christ the King, Deacon Rosemary Saunders encourages us to ask God the tough questions, the questions that cause us to grope for Him. The Eternal King will answer, perhaps not in a way we want, but in a way that reminds us that He is for us and not against us. We begin with the lectionary readings. Our first reading is from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, beginning at the first verse and then going on to verse 9. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dreams. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. These are the words of our Lord, the King. Our second reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who was, who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, 
who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel portion for Christ the King is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18. And uh, I know I told you to all sit down, but it is a tradition to stand when hearing the King teach or speak. Brothers and sisters, the good news according to John. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, welcome again. Um, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we can gather here this evening. And Lord, we want to encounter you. Pray that you would speak through my lips, that we would receive you in our hearts, that we would hear from you this evening, Lord. We thank you that you are here with us. We have welcomed you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome in our lives. Um, please move amongst us and speak and meet with us this evening. Amen. I'm going to read um, Psalm 93 um, because I will be referring to it. It was on the lectionary as well. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so, so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. So we heard in uh, John's Gospel there, Pilate asked a question. Um, and if there's a theme tonight, it's the power of the question. Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? And in fact, in those six verses that are read, there are over, I think there's six questions, but five of them are asked by Pilate. He said, are you the king of the Jews? He asked, or also asked Jesus, am I a Jew? Then he said, what have you done? Then he said, are you a king then? And then he said, what is truth? All those questions just in six verses. And the final question, what is truth, is topical today, 
because there is, as we know, no ultimate truth that we can really speak of nowadays because no one really wants to know the truth. Truth is something that we're pressured not to talk about. Don't speak about the truth to me. Don't tell me that there's only one way to God. Don't tell me that Jesus is the truth because that's not something we discuss. Questioning, of course, is not encouraged these days. We get into trouble if we start questioning. We can even lose our jobs by questioning a statement which we believe not to be true. Where I'm from in the UK, um, a university not far away, there was a chaplain there who last year lost his job because he said to the students about some statement that was made to them about a politically correct attitude you don't have to believe that statement. And he was, he was fired from his job. So we, if we speak the truth today, we're, we can be at risk. Students go to school to ob obtain skills, understanding, and knowledge. But it is critical that our students learn to formulate good questions. Obviously, I say this because I work in a school. I worked in a school for about 30, worked in schools for over 36 years. Okay, that's how long I've been teaching. But it's very important that our students are taught how to formulate good questions. Because God created us to be questioners. Now, if you... Um, think for a moment about that. If you've ever sat with a three-year-old, you will know that God created us to be questioners. Anyone who's walked with a three-year-old or spent any time with them will soon know that they were created for questions. Where does water come from? Why is water wet? Why is that man so tall? Questions to me now, not from my children, but for my grandchildren. Nana, why do you have those lines on your face? Because I'm, getting, because I'm getting old. When will you stop getting old, Nana? Does that mean you're going to die? Who made the clouds? God. Who made God? And so it goes on. It can be wearing. But we were created for questions. God created us that way. He created us as little children to ask questions, and little children do. I'm reading a book at the moment by Philip Yancey, and he says this, nature or creation teaches me nothing about the incarnation or living the victorious life. It does, though, awaken my desire to meet whoever is responsible for creating that monarch butterfly. And that's what creation does. It shows us about God. It invokes in us questions. Who created the butterfly? If someone did create it, why is it so beautiful? What does that say about its creator? The questions are here, they're within us. They just need to come out. And I have found, in my experience of teaching, that younger children have more often have more profound questions than adults. And I discovered this last year when one of the teachers at the school came to me when um, she was teaching eight-year-olds at the time, and she said... Uh, um, I wonder, um, I'm doing an RE lesson and they're talking about God and they've got some questions and some of these questions are a little bit difficult. I wondered if you'd come and do the lesson, but all you've got to do is answer the questions. I said, yes, fine, of course I will. Well, she sent me 20 questions and I had to think about them. And what I've done, I'm, I've chosen five of them because I want to 
just to um, so that you can see that children at eight years old have profound questions. Now, as I read the questions out, I want you to think how you would answer, okay? The first one, we say that Mary is full of grace. Did she ever make a mistake? The next question, obviously that came from a Catholic family. <laughs> the next question, what's the point of living if we're just going to die? Good question. Next question, if Jesus is God, does he talk to himself when he prays? Why doesn't God save us from the coronavirus? Good question. Why did people want to crucify Jesus? Didn't they notice that Mary was crying? <laughs> These were five of the 20 questions that I was asked. And I'll tell you, I had to think about the response. I really did, because they're profound. These aren't childish questions, really, when you think about them. But children's questions are often quenched, because often when they get to school, it's be quiet and listen, absorb the knowledge. The power of the question is silenced. I still teach at the Anglican school, and um, I teach RE in the secondary school. And um, at the moment, we're doing about the patriarchs. So we've, done about, we've talked about Abraham, and we're doing about Isaac. And so I always try to start with a question. Um, so this was only on Friday. <laughs> okay, everyone. So Abraham wanted to find a good wife for Isaac. What makes a good wife? An Arab boy put up his hand. He said, she needs to cook. She needs to be a good cook. At that, it was shouted down by the internationals. <laughs> So then I said, okay, what makes a good husband? And the girl said, she needs to know how to cook. <laughs> and so, you know, it, but they were thinking, what does make a good wife? In fact, one of the boys said, you know, she might be beautiful, but she's got to have a good personality and be quite kind. Looks aren't everything. So, you know, the things that we need to explore and discuss. Every new invention began with a question. Every search for God began with a question. Why am I here? Why am I alive? What's the purpose for my life? In our, in our, our reclasses at school, we have endless opportunities of provoking students to ask a question. Recently, we were looking at the uniqueness of the earth and the uniqueness of life and people. Why are we so unique? Why is it there's not two people like you? Um, perhaps we're special? Yeah, maybe. Um, a couple of years ago, a student who I'd been teaching, an Arab girl, came into my office one day after I'd taught RE the week before. She says, Mrs. Saunders, who is the Holy Spirit? That question had been provoked. Another boy, again, uh, from a Muslim family, said, when you came to this school, you said God had called you. How do you hear the voice of God? What a profound question that had been provoked. We should always pray that people ask us questions. The question can cause us to grope for God, and it can allow God to grab us <laughs> when we ask the question. Um, we heard tonight um, the um, reading from the book of Daniel, and that's a very dramatic chapter that we heard. But it reminded me of something. Sorry if I keep reminiscing about school, but this is just one more. When I was first teaching um, over 30-odd years ago, I started an after-school Christian club 
And this boy came into my class. I was teaching seven, eight-year-olds then. This boy came in. He'd only just been in like a um, couple of weeks. His father was in prison. He came from a very, very poor family. Um, he, was, he, he was almost illiterate, and he had so many problems. And um, I said to him, I run an after-school club. Would you like to come? And he said, yeah. He didn't really know what it was about, but it was a Christian club. I wanted him to learn about God. So the question I asked in the club, uh, what does God look like? Do you want to draw a picture of him? Well, of course, children can draw a picture of God. We'd be going, "Uh," but children, of course, they can tell you what God looks like. And so they all began scribbling away, and we had these clouds and people sitting on clouds, and we had all sorts of things. But this little boy drew something quite profound, and I will never forget it. And I looked at it, and there was a circle, and sitting on this circle was a figure in a long robe. He had hair down his back, and in his hand he had, he was holding a book. I said to him, can you tell me about your picture? He said, yes, that's God. He's sitting on a rock, and his robe just is is, he's got a long robe, and in his hand he's got a book, and in that book is, is written what everyone's done in their lives. I said, who told you that? He says, no one, N- nobody. I just thought of it. See how God was in him, already revealing himself to him. But the big issue is not what God looks like, but who God is. Who is he? We need to question that. Who is he? Do I know him? Do I really know him? And do we need to ask questions of God even when we are believers? Yes, we do. We do. Because, you know, as we get older, the questions kind of stop. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? We need to clarify the question here. Because actually the question he was asking was, are you the king that's coming to overthrow the Romans? That's what he was really saying. So today... Well, tonight, I want us to ask some questions. When we read scripture, it's good to ask, what does this passage teach me about God? What does Daniel 7 that we heard read teach us about God? In that passage, it talks about beasts. It talks before the, uh, the scripture that we heard read, it was talking, using the word devouring beasts, dreadful beasts, terrible beasts. In fact, one of them was described with huge iron teeth. These are spiritual powers and principalities that Daniel saw. Then Daniel saw and heard a mouth speaking pompous words. Okay, so there's these great beasts, these pompous words being spoken. And then he saw the Ancient of Days come and sit down on his throne. And he saw books opened. Suddenly, the beasts become nothing. (laughs) And the pompous voice stops. What does that tell us about God? Power, ultimate power, omnipotent God. When the beasts are destroyed and the pompous words are stopped. And then it says thousands upon thousands were ministering to the ancient of days. Imagine that scene. Thousands of thousands and thousands were ministering to him. And we know this, that he sends his ministering angels to us. We read about it in the Bible. In fact, I only heard about this 
The latest one was last Friday when I was teaching RE and I said to, a, uh, to, the, to them, we were talking about how we, um, is, it, is um, our earliest memories. And um, I was telling them about someone who heard from God very early in life, at five years old, you know. And, uh, and so I said, Can you, let's share your earliest memory. And a boy said, well, I remember when my brother, what happened to my brother? We had a water tank and my brother fell into it. And you know what? He felt a hand pull him out, but it wasn't my parents. They weren't even in the room. No one was there. Someone pulled him out, but no one was there. But he felt the hand grab him. I have a friend who is a very strong swimmer. She went out swimming in the sea. She went quite far out. She felt a current that was pulling her away. She wasn't strong enough to swim against the current. And she thought she began, she began to sink. She thought she was drowning. And suddenly this man's head popped up near her right out. There was no one else around. Strong man. He got hold of her. He swam back to the shore with her. When they got to the shore, she looked around. Where was he? And she asked people, no one had seen anyone. This is God. He sends his ministering angels to help us. Those ministering angels that minister him, there's angels that come to us. We need to remind ourselves of that. And in the, um, in the uh, chapter on uh, Daniel 7, it talks about dominion, power, and a kingdom which shall not pass away. What is this kingdom? Well, Jesus replied to Pilate, my kingdom, he said, is not of this world. When we think of kingdoms, we think of territory. We think of political powers. But the kingdom which will not pass away is the kingdom where Jesus rules. And when he rules in our lives, that's the kingdom of God. It's kingdom now. It's not like on earth we'll suffer this life and then we'll go into the kingdom when we die. It's kingdom now, on this earth, with me now. The kingdom is about discipleship, learning to trust in God. The kingdom is when it's his will, not mine. When the king is in control, not me. The kingdom of God is about being transformed and allowing God to transform us. Allowing God to transform us, unfortunately, in difficult situations. You know, I've always wanted the magic wand God, but he doesn't exist. I really want God to come and put his little magic wand on me and make me perfect and all well, <laughs> but he doesn't exist. In fact, when I gave my life to Jesus 35 years ago, I really thought God was like that, that everything would be instantly okay. And when it wasn't, I was in for a bit of a shock. <laughs> God moves slowly, gently, and thoroughly in our lives, usually through difficult situations. The kingdom, Jesus said, is a hidden treasure. We can't see it. He said it's like yeast. It moves slowly but surely, and it changes things. We need patience when we're in the kingdom. <laughs> and yet, he uses us for his great purposes. We think, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, God will use me when, <laughs> when I'm better at this or you know, when there's a bit more level playing field, God will use me. In fact, he uses us now. Weak, broken, inadequate people in his kingdom, he uses them. He doesn't wait till we're perfect to use us. He uses us now. I'm often out my depth. 
called to where I don't want to go, called to do things that I'm exceedingly inadequate in doing, but that's the kingdom of God. What happens then? We rely on him. I think that's the idea, actually, God. And he influences the world through individuals. And he chooses individuals for his great purposes, like William Wilberforce. The abolish, he abol- through him, slavery was abolished in the United Kingdom because of one man who wouldn't give up. John Wesley. John, the Lord used John Wesley to bring about that great revival in Britain. One man. He used Amy Carmichael to save hundreds, if not thousands, of Indian children from prosti- girls from prostitution. Just one person. And his kingdom is about transformation. Transformation means change, and change is painful. I'd rather stay as I am. <laughs> but that's me in control. I love C.S. Lewis and quote from him often, but here's C.S. Lewis understanding this process of transformation, but he's quoting George MacDonald, and this is what he says. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in. He's decided to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. I mean, you knew the drains weren't right, didn't you? You you knew the roof was leaking and it needed repairing and so on. You knew these jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised when he does it. But presently, he starts really knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. And it does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you imagined. You thought he was going to make you into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. Transformation is painful. But but in the kingdom of God, we need to allow him to transform us. In Revelation, when we heard that passage read, it said, We are told Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. What? He's made us kings and priests. That's a bit of a shock. It looks like we need to expect a few changes in our lives if we're kings and priests. Are we ready? Are we willing for the king to change us? I always say the most dangerous prayer a Christian can pray. Lord, change me and transform me, whatever it takes. I always say to people, that's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer, (laughs) but pray it because he'll do it. Revelation tells us about Jesus. It says, well, it certainly reveals he's alive and well. Did you hear that, Aaron? Jesus is alive and well. When you ask Aaron how he is, he always says, I'm alive and well. Well, Aaron, Jesus is alive and well too. (laughs) He rules, it says in Revelation, over the kings of the earth. Stop and think about that. He's ruling over the kings of the earth. So, Mr. Putin, watch out. President Biden, did you know that he's ruling over the kings of the earth? Prime Minister Boris, watch out. There's a king ruling, and you'll be answerable to him. And Revelation tells us he loves us, and we are washed in his own blood. Think about that, power, 
love, forgiveness. I always, you know, sorry, C.S. Lewis again, but, um, but you know that you've heard it before, all of you probably, but maybe there's one here tonight that hasn't. But when Lucy said to Mrs. Beaver, when she said, Aslan's on the move, and uh, Lucy said, is he dangerous? She says, of course he's dangerous, dear, but he's good. And that's Jesus. Of course he's dangerous, but he's good. Glory and dominion are his. And it says in Revelation, he's coming on the clouds of heaven. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the great I am. He's, the, he's God Almighty. Do we need to remind ourselves of this? Yes, we do. And Psalm 93 teaches us some things about what God is like. I read it at the start. Psalm 93 is written to comfort the distressed. I'll just quote one or two lines from it. It says, The Lord is high. He is mightier than the noise of many waters. So what's the noise of many waters? Trouble and distress. We shouldn't waste our breath struggling and arguing with the mighty waves of trouble and distress. Whatever the opposition may be, the psalm tells us, God's throne is unmoved. Can I add to that even in this pandemic? He has always reigned as king. He is reigning as king. He will always reign as king, and he will reign forever. That's what Psalm 93 tells us. It also says he is clothed in majesty. That's not emblems of majesty, but he's actually clothed in majesty itself. Psalm 104 says he wraps himself in light. Again, we sing that, don't we? We need to remind ourselves of who he is. Nothing and no one can stand against him. We all of us go through trials and tribulations. No one is, no one escapes trials and tribulations and trouble and upsets. And I'm no exception. Most recently, I've had some health problems. And of course, I work at to school. There's loads of stress. <laughs> okay. But you know, sometimes we can go through trials and tribulations and we feel the noise of it. And it fills our minds with the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I die? What if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if? And you lie in bed and it goes round and round in your mind. That was happening to me recently. And you know what? Above the noise of the waves, above the noise of that tumult, I heard the still small voice of God and he asked me three questions. Do I love you? I said, um, yes. <laughs> Do I care about what's happening to you? Yes. Am I with you now? Yes. Do you know what? I was able to close my eyes and go to sleep then. And I thought about those three profound questions that God asked me and asks, I believe, all of us. Does he love you? Yes. Does he care about what you're going through now? Yes. Is he actually with you now? Yes. The great king of the universe loves us, cares about every circumstance, and will never leave us nor forsake us. If we're unsure about that, then it's about time we started asking him some questions. In a poem by Walter Ruschenbusch, I don't know if I've spelt, said that right, this is what he said. 
In the presence of God, big things become small. Small things become great. The lowly and despised is shot through with glory. When I am in him, I am in the kingdom of God. When we're aware of the kingdom of God, things look different. And Jesus said this and another thing about the kingdom. He said, let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. What do children do? They ask questions. So let's be real with God and share with him our questions. Even it's okay to share with him our doubts. It's good to share with him our fears. It's okay to say, do you really care about me? Because it doesn't seem like it. It's okay. He knows what you're thinking anyway, but he's waiting for you to just speak it out. Because children do. And he said, come to me as a little child. And I'll listen. And he said, ask and speak to me and ask and I will respond. Today we're having communion this evening. When we come into communion, the Lord is very present at communion. I would suggest we bring before him our doubts and fears. He's here. But have we become so sophisticated as believers that we no longer can question anything? I've asked the worship team now to sing a song that I've chosen. It's full of questions. And I hope that these questions will help us to really um, be reminded of the king that we serve. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you and blessings from the city of the king.